0: Mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at Four football As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, for this week five preview show with none other than a friend in life, man updating the projections and rankings around the clock for everyone at 444.com. He is John Paulson. How are you hanging in there, Paulson, about a quarter of the way through the year?
1: I'm hanging in there. Uh, we've, I've got an extra thing happening this weekend heading to Vegas to see you 2 at the Sphere Staying through Monday night to watch the Packers and the Raiders uh, play there at Allegiant Stadium. So I'm just asking everyone uh, to be a little bit patient with rankings. Uh, I will get all the work done in time. I just, things are going to be a little bit hectic this weekend as I try to update uh, as everything goes. But I do have Sunday morning uh, completely set aside for rankings updates and I will be updating throughout the day as usual.
0: Bye weeks hit, and then my man decides to go smell the roses. What a life we're all living. Big preview show this week as we do have our 1st bye bi-weeks. The Browns, Chargers, Seahawks, and Bucks. We do not have to talk about this week as we preview every game. But before we jump into Thursday Night Football, reminder, it is not too late to get a sub at 44.com. Already discounted for you since we're a quarter of the way through the year. Now only 44 bucks for the rest of the season, not monthly but you can also use the promo code YouTube still to still get 25% off and make it even cheaper. Not my choice, just what's happening behind the scenes right now. So it is not too late to get in since we still have so much more to go. Don't remind me. Beginning with Thursday Night Football, though, Paulson, between the Bears at the Commanders, what we saw was a career high and passing fantasy points for Justin Fields because to this point of the season, all four defenses, the Broncos included, have scored double-digit fantasy points against the Bears. We continue stacking defenses against them because of how poor their offense has been. But since the Broncos are arguably the worst coached unit since Urban Meyer's offense in Jacksonville, then we also know Fields looked like Joe Montana out there, and he only had four carries. It all came through the air. So what are you expecting for him now that we are removing that Denver game?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm happy for him that he had that sort of passing outing. It's been an up and down season for him so far. Again, we we had the caveat that it's the Broncos defense, so we got to take it with a grain of salt. Certainly, uh expect him moving forward to score a lot more fancy points or than he did rushing the ball than he throwing the ball like he did last week. I have him at 8 and I don't know how I feel about that, but there's there's the guys around him are a little bit Dicey as well. Jordan Love, right below him. Jared Goff, Sam Howell, who I like as a streamer this week against Chicago in the same game. Um, you know, Fields has so much ups, upside as a runner. This Washington defense is significantly better. Their ninth and adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks. They're significantly better than the Broncos. Uh, so, I'm not expecting a you know overall QB one type week for him, but maybe they have something they could build off of. What are your, what's your take on Fields against the Commanders?
0: A low end QB one who, when I'm asked about him, I'm still not selling because, again, we're still getting over 30 pass attempts per game compared to last year's 22 and a half pass attempts. The volume is there. We just need rushing. And that's the one thing they are not giving him. I know we got 11 carries whenever they claimed to have changed the offense before the Bears play the Chiefs, but. As I just mentioned, four carries last week. Just not the case at all. The passing won't get him there weekly because he doesn't play the Broncos weekly. So I just want more carries. So I would say middle of the road, low end QB1, still starting him over Joe Burrow until we know Burrow's healthy. But we'll talk about that when we get to that game.
1: Yeah, I think uh, DJ Moore has been playing well fantasy-wise. He's in the top 20, I think, year to date and has a nice matchup with Emmanuel Forbes this week. Uh, One of the highest uh, fantasy points per route covered Corners, So this is a pretty good matchup for him. That should help uh, Justin Fields as well.
0: On the backfield for the Bears, a breakout game for Khalil Herbert. And I'm curious where you have him ranked because now we're starting to see a big trend between these two players since it is still a two-headed backfield. When the Bears have been within six points of their opponent, which is basically what that game was with a lead to the entire time against Denver till the second half. Khalil Herbert has 17 carries to Roshan's five and neutral game script. But when they've been trailing by eight plus points, so two scores, Roshan Johnson leads the team in both carries and targets. And redraft, we're still starting Khalil Herbert tonight. No worries. But if it's negative game script, like I'm expecting, I just think we should temper our expectations tonight.
1: Yeah, I don't have him too high. I have him at uh, RB25. Uh, The matchup is okay. Washington is 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, I think the interesting thing with this backfield is that we did get this report uh, Sunday morning that they wanted to uh, expand Rashawn Johnson's role, uh, which did cause me to change the projections a bit. I did move Herbert down, which, you know, regrettably, he had his best game of the year, uh, you know, against uh, the Broncos, who are pretty terrible on defense. Washington's better than the Broncos again, but, uh, you know, I certainly think Herbert is entrenched right now as the RB1. Uh, but your splits are interesting because if, if they do fall behind, then you're looking at Roshan Johnson as, you know, getting some of those snaps and, and Herbert not being able to, you know, make up for a bad first half with a better second half because he's getting, you know, all, all these dump offs uh, in the passing game.
0: And your typical 10, 12 team leagues, You're starting Herbert, as we mentioned, but I always like to add the caveats and the special notes because I know a lot of people like me play in these deep two-flex leagues where I'm having to make decisions, especially during the bye weeks, just to get bodies out there. And I'm playing matchups in best situations. So I do think it's a sneaky situation if you're desperate for a flex for Roshan this week. And the other backfield, though, I think it's going to be an immense emergence for Brian Robinson. We saw a couple of weeks ago that we talked about. Antonio Gibson out touched Brian Robinson in a blowout game script seven to zero. All carries just trying to end that game in the fourth quarter. But then last week, competitive game and overtime. Great call by you, by the way. We talked about the Eagles being a pass funnel, and we're gonna get back to that when we talk about the Rams and Cooper Cup. But we saw Brian Robinson outtouch Antonio Gibson 16 to 7, ran just two fewer routes than Gibson getting a majority of the touches. And we expect that again tonight, especially if we're thinking positive game script for the commanders.
1: Yeah, this is a great spot for Robinson. He's RB seven on the season. Fantasy wise. I've got him ranked uh, 10th RB 10. Uh, you know, last week it was 14 carries 45 yards and touchdown. So he was fortunate to get that, that touchdown against uh, against the Eagles, a tough rush defense. He had two catches for six yards just tough to score as a running back on the, on the Eagles generally, but this is going to be a much better game. He's a, he's pretty much a must start. If you have him uh, in tonight's game against the, the bears.
0: I think we're also moving on to the passing game for Washington, seeing a bit of a trend start headed towards Terry McLaurin in favor of him. Now over 20% of the team's targets in his last two games, at least six targets in each of his last three. And, as we continue talking about the bears are a defense we want to attack both on the ground and through the air. Sam, Howell, also for you, one of your favorite sleepers on the week.
1: Yeah, I've got him as a low end QB one. I'm going to stream him in one of my leagues this week with uh Geno Smith on by, um, yeah, I think McLaurin is maybe benefiting from maybe being a little more healthy with that toe. Maybe that's sort of behind him. We're not getting any sort of toe limited toe you know practice reports or anything with him so i think he's he's good to go and you know he has three thousand yard seasons you know in his last three seasons i think his first three seasons is only three seasons uh so he's gonna get there and he's the featured guy in this in this offense he's not a 10 12 target type guy but he should be seeing you know seeing six to nine targets per game pretty pretty easily uh he'll be outside matched up against a Tariq Stevenson, Jalen Johnson. Johnson's been better than Stevenson in coverage. Jahan Dotson has a pretty good matchup, but they're really like McLaurin and Dotson are playing pretty much both sides of the field. Uh, it's not really heavy one way or the other, so they'll both get some some matchups with Stevenson. And um, you know, Curtis Samuel has been kind of a nice surprise. We know he's a good route runner. Uh, he does carry the ball here and there. I think he's a sneaky start as well uh, in the slot there against uh, Greg Stroman.
0: And Curtis Samuel, he did have his little end-around one-yard touchdown before John Jahan Dotson got injured in the last game. Dotson, who is cleared from the injury report and expected to play tonight. Moving on to Sunday, we have another London game as the Jaguars just stick around overseas. And the Bills, after completely dominating the Dolphins, arguably Josh Allen's best game of his career, their reward is to have a home game in London because the NFL only cares about money. But let's talk about the Jaguars passing game, because what we're seeing is early victory laps after week one for Calvin Ridley, who is no longer commanding targets. And week one, recall, Calvin Ridley's 34.3% target share led the team. Christian Kirk not playing much in two wide sets was Zay Jones healthy, 9.3% target share. But their last three games, and Zay Jones, of course, injured these last two, but Christian Kirk Team high twenty nine point seven percent target share, dominating over Ridley's fourteen and a half percent target share in that span. How are you ranking the Jags' wide receivers this week against a defense that did lose tredavius White for the season, unfortunately, this past week?
1: Yeah, and they can run on they can run on the Bills as well, so maybe they could score some points in this one. Uh, Kirk is an interesting. This whole dynamic has been pretty fascinating to watch because I think in the preseason I was, you know, a little skeptical of Ridley coming back and being what he was immediately in Atlanta and I was pretty high in Kirk and then you start seeing these preseason snap shares where Kirk's not even playing in two receiver sets uh Zay Jones was with Ridley and so you start moving Kirk down the the rankings and then you know all of a sudden here with a Zay Jones injury Kirk is in on every pretty much every passing down uh Ridley's targets have dropped off so I actually have Kirk ranked ahead of Ridley This week, I have Kirk at 15, Ridley at 19. I still think, you know, Ridley's a solid start. Probably we'll get there. But, you know, last couple games have been a little bit alarming with him and his uh, reduced target share. Kirk's been rock solid for uh, Trevor Lawrence there.
0: And for the Bills, in terms of just playing defense against Jacksonville's offense, uh, I do still think we need, we're starting Kirk and Ridley, but we still need some more. Um, like we need some more confidence in the Jaguars offense because a 23 to seven win in London looks great. But remember seven of those points were a defensive touchdown. The Jaguars are still struggling immensely. They've only averaged 20 offensive or 20 points per game in general this year. It's been terrible. At least though, for right now, the offense is concentrated since Travis Etienne even is getting everything. Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby comes in inside the five-yard line, but that's it. They even had Jermichael Hasty active this week as they continue to try to find more ways to use their backfield. So we know at least who were targeting for the Jaguars. For the Bills, though, I am slightly a little more worried about James Cook than most people seem. Even in the first half before it became a blowout, Latavius Murray ran one more route than James Cook, and... Cook only got the carry inside the five-yard line because Latavius got them there with a 29-yard carry on the same drive. Like, what we're seeing is Latavius Murray's share of the team's backfield touches grow every week because he's getting better. He's getting healthier, and it's taking away from Cook. So where do you have Cook ranked this week? Yeah,
1: I think it's becoming a little bit of a committee, and I think it's clear, and I think you would agree, that Murray is the RB2 there to own in a contingency basis. I mean, we were kind of heading into the season thinking that Damian Harris would be that guy, but it's, it's Ben Murray and Murray's been playing, playing well. Uh, I have cook at RB 16. He's sort of in that group right behind Alvin Kamara, who saw mega touches last week, uh, James Connor, uh, Aaron Jones. So that's sort of the slightly dicey RB twos, but you know, could have good games for you. He is still seeing a good workload and, you know, you mentioned the goal line carry. He had a goal line carry the previous week, which I think you said was his first one ever, right? Um, and then got another one this week, but maybe Murray was had to come off the field because he was he was gassed after the run. Um, but it is nice to see them at least using him inside the five yard line. Occasionally, I think he will score some touchdowns if, if he continues to do that. Uh, I, I think you know he's not pushing the top 10 like he was, I think last week, uh, given this uh, timeshare sort of shift uh, a little bit towards Murray. They probably just want to keep Cook fresh and they're realizing that they're getting some good production out of Murray.
0: Another player that was talked about widely was Dalton Kincaid, who finished as the week's tight end 24, and everyone was excited because they saw he ran a few more routes than da- than Dawson Knox, uh, eight more routes to be exact. My issue is that, like a lot of tight ends we're all struggling with, it's that, one, it wasn't enough of a separation between the two to – go overboard with excitement, but also he still has a four yard depth of target. He's still being used like where it doesn't matter. We have to pound him targets at that and those kind of routes in order for him to get there weekly in PPR leagues. So where do you have Kincaid ranked in week five?
1: Maybe you could speak to this because I'm looking at his snap share at 80% in week one, 60% in week two, 52% in week three. And then 52 percent again in week four. So, if he if his routes increase from three to four, maybe he's running, you know, being out there for a little bit more on the on the passing downs. But, you know, he's he's only averaging 25 yards per game, 4.3 targets per game, and the the reason that he's still ranked as a, a tight end too is just the nature of the position this year. He's he's attached to a uh, a really good quarterback that scores a lot of touchdowns. So maybe he'll score a touchdown or have a good game. But they're not you know, they're not using him like a featured tight end like, you know, we were told they might, uh, you know, him being perhaps the slot receiver for this team. He's not running that many routes or playing that many snaps.
0: Through week three, Kincaid and Knox ran literally the same exact amount of routes. We just need more of a margin between them if we want to start Kincaid every week. And more importantly, we just need more explosive plays because these dink and dunks underneath just aren't going to get us there. Nothing to be excited about just yet. Maybe it improves a little more in London. On to the Sunday main games between the Titans at the Colts. And I'm excited to see Anthony Richardson in this one because his skill in leading all quarterbacks and rushing points per game will always project him for a high ceiling. But we also know the Titans defense to this point of the year has trickled down against quarterbacks as well. Uh, Even dating back to last year, Jalen Hurts had 12 rushing yards, Daniel Jones 25. They they held Josh Allen to 10 rushing yards as well. Deshaun Watson, the one mobile quarterback they faced so far in 2023, had four carries for 16 yards. Uh, Nobody is running on them. And then here we have the prototype, Richardson, who's about to take that on, but may have success through the air for the first time all year. Completed just forty four percent of his passes last week, and it didn't matter because the rushing got him there. So where do you have Richardson rate for everyone this week?
1: Yeah, just to underline your point on the Titans, they've given up twenty five rushing yards in four games to opposing quarterbacks. So that is, you know, six a game, uh, not not a lot. Uh, and you're you're making the right. I mean, it, it's a pat other a, they're a pass funnel. So Richardson, I think and I just wanted to go back to this point is that Richardson was the late round quarterback that if you were going to go late round quarterback, he's the one you should have targeted. I had him there with Geno Smith, Daniel Jones Jones has been a complete nightmare. Gino's been up and down, but in, we had a knee injury and the injuries to the offensive line. I still have confidence in him. I've lost confidence in Daniel Jones, but Anthony Richardson was the one other than the concussion where he missed has been producing every quarter. He's been out there. Um, and I think he will this week as well. If they don't allow him to run or they're buttoning up the run, he will have a lot of opportunities against the Tennessee Titans pass defense, which is a pass funnel. Uh, he should have some success. I would expect Michael Pittman to have a better game, but he really targeted his tight ends a lot last week. So starting to spread the ball around a little bit more, and that led to a quiet game from Pittman, but he should bounce back this week.
0: And what hurts the most is that it's three different tight ends. So we can't even play any of them. It is both Andrew Ogletree, Kylan Granson and Mo Alley Cox to a lesser extent, not to mention Jelani Woods might be active this week. So if it's still just a committee at tight end, we are seeing the Colts separate and using their tight ends, but also doesn't matter when it's three of them Uh, for the receivers too, as you mentioned, not losing confidence in Pittman and Josh Downs just yet. Like, yes, they are lacking a ceiling, But in this kind of matchup against the Titans secondary where we target everyone, I just want to say Richardson only had 20 dropbacks last week. Like, He's not going to, in this kind of matchup, he's not going to strictly run the ball because they're not going to have success that way. I would imagine we get more pass attempts. So still in on Downs and Michael Pittman for this matchup in particular. Skip the trip to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. It's also cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. That means less stress, more money in your pocket, and more time spent outside the kitchen. I nearly gave in to another expensive delivery receipt on my bank account the other day but decided to instead try one of the HelloFresh meals for myself. And 20 minutes later, two chickpea burgers with turmeric aioli and oven crisp potato wedges with oregano on the side. It's that easy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50mostaccurate and use the promo code 50mostaccurate for 50% off plus free shipping to get started today. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. And now, you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy. Just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer, and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesars Pretzel Stuffed Crust Pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesars convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff make little caesar's the official pizza sponsor of the nfl part of your game day now you can score even more pizza with your pizza it's easy just order online during little caesar's pizza pizza pregame an hour before and three hours after scheduled nfl kickoffs and become eligible for instant win prizes best of all you pick the toppings you crave I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer and was convinced by a listener to try Little Caesar's stuffed pretzel crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesar's convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesar's app and have your friends grab it on their way over to your house. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com/NFL. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their Prize Pick stat projection. It's that easy, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. PrizePix even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with all your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together, with more Devonta Smith receiving yards, or less Justin Fields rushing yards. Now, you can. Just go to prizepix.com accurate, and use the promo code ACCURATE, to match your first deposit up to $100. Price Picks: Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. On the other side of the ball, at least we know DeAndre Hopkins is soaking up a majority of targets without Traylon Burks, who still hasn't practiced through Thursday. So where do you have Hopkins ranks among, you know, the wide receivers soaking up majority of their team's targets.
1: Yeah, he hasn't, been that, he hasn't been that productive, but he is seeing the vast majority of targets. This is a really good matchup against the Colts. They're 26 and just points allowed to receivers. So I do have some optimism that Hopkins will have a deliver a good game here. They did miss him on a, uh, I don't know if it was a flea flicker. They, I think it was J- Derek Henry had the ball and gave it back to Tannehill. They missed him on a bomb. Uh, So they are throwing the ball down the field to him as well. So, you know, there's a potential for a big game here. And as I said, the matchup is favorable. So I have him at 27. I think he's a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three type this week.
0: And on Derrick Henry, who bounced back in positive game script, a blowout for the Titans over the Bengals, we still saw Tasha Spears handle eight touches for the third consecutive game. Where do you rank henry in this matchup given that the colts are also a pass funnel
1: uh the colts are a pass funnel but uh, you know they they're giving up 3.8 yards per carry but they're giving up 227 yards per game uh on the ground uh and i'm not sure how much of that is to running backs they're 23rd in just fantasy points allowed to running backs this is a fairly positive matchup i think for henry i think they can get it a- get the running game going. And if he's going at all, they continue to feed him. He's just not going to see the 25-30 touch upside that we saw last year due to the presence of Tajay Spears and his role in the offense.
0: For the Falcons at the Texans, the Texans are losing another offensive lineman, starting left guard Kenyon Green. But it sounds like we are getting two, both of their starting tackles back this week. Not only that, but Falcons have played the second highest rate of man coverage. And then here comes Nico Collins, who is second in yards per route run against man coverage, only behind Marvin Mims, who is still not being played at all. So how are you ranking the Texans wide receivers this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, Nico had the quiet week two weeks ago. Uh, Tank Dell went off and then came back and had the huge week four he had a strong week one, a really strong week two. So three out of four, he's really delivered. I'm getting him now in this low end wide receiver one range. I have him at twelve. I have him ahead of Waddle right now. I have him ahead of Kirk Debo Samuel, who's kind of big banged up. Chris Olave, who hasn't uh, produced a, a whole lot in the last couple of weeks. Uh, really talented player, but just and has kind of a bad matchup against New England. Um, so I think Nico is a is a solid start. I mean, you're gonna with these with these uh, wide receiver twos, you're going to get some clunker games here and there, but this is a good matchup. CJ Stroud, we know is playing really well. Uh, he looks like the real deal. And, uh, he, you know, Collins is, it's not the greatest matchup Atlanta's fourth and just a fancy points allowed uh, to receivers, but he's playing really well. And I think he deserves a almost must start status at this point.
0: A really interesting matchup given that the Falcons have actually been a stout pass defense uh, f- top five and fewest explosive passing plays of 15 yards allowed through the air. So since it is Nico who dominates man coverage, it's going to be a good litmus test for this offense as a whole, especially because Vegas knows something. Vegas is not budging off of this Falcons being favored by one and a half, two and a half points. uh, And the Falcons have been the significantly worse team to date. So something is up here. And I think that begins with Bijan Robinson, who has not only run more routes, Route participation in every single game to date, he has that role locked down. His share of the team's backfield touches have increased in every single game, making Tyler Algier uh, a contingency player who you can't start at all because he has no standalone value anymore.
1: Robinson's my number two running back. There, Houston's 28th in just the fantasy points allowed to to running back. So I think the concern here for the Houston offense is that Atlanta just runs the ball, drains the clock you know, shortens the game, fewer possessions for Houston. Maybe they don't, uh, they're not too productive on a couple of the drives and suddenly you're looking at a floor game for Collins and for Stroud and et cetera. So that's the concern. Um, I do think Algier in a game like this is, has some sneaky value as just given the matchup is so good that he could get it going and get some extra touches. I mean, they've shown that they want to ride the hot hand. That's been Pigeon and understandably, he looks a lot different when he has the ball than Algier does. Uh, but I think Algier could get like 10 carries in this one and, and you know, turn in maybe 50 yards and a touchdown uh, as a sort of a flex play. I, I have him right around Roshan Johnson. So that's sort of, you know, RB3 flex type guy that you're trying to throw a dart at uh, dart, uh, during bye weeks and stuff. So um Bijon's a must, absolute must start number two running back on the week. So that I think, Looking at the downside for Houston, I think it's a really strong running game for Atlanta, and they control the clock, and maybe that's why they're favored by two and a half.
0: For the Falcons' passing game, I, unlike a lot of people, am still not losing faith in Drake London. Uh, a lot of people are upset, even though he was, you know, top 36 wide receiver last week. He came inches away from having a second touchdown. And honestly, we're, we're just so far removed from his week one target share that everyone panted about. One target, 5.5%, because since week two in his last three games, he's been over a 23% target share in two of three, and he's seen 21% of the team's targets. Like, we are getting the volume relative based to the Falcons' passing attack now. So I have not lost faith in Drake London. Do I want more ceiling? Of course. But right now during the bye weeks, someone I still have complete confidence starting since we almost got to that ceiling just last week. And for Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith, I don't know if Kyle Pitts is injured. That's the rumor right now. Either way, you clearly can't start him. The tight end 32 in points per game is sometimes easy enough, but Jonu Smith has actually doubled his yards per route run so far and then also has significantly more targets since week two in their last three games. Uh, Not to mention that he also has the team's only end zone target among tight ends. They actually scheme targets to Jonu Smith, They do not do that for Kyle Pitts who yet again leads all tight ends and depth of target. So all these uncatchable passes from Desmond Ritter, they don't bring him closer to the line of scrimmage to make it easier. They're all still coin flips. So obviously still very much worried about Kyle Pitts.
1: Yeah. And I just pulled up our air yards app to see if he's still leading the league in air yards. And he is Zach Ertz is number two. If that tells you anything, 7.5 targets uh, per game for Zach Ertz. Uh you're, I think you convinced me a little bit on London. I was wondering about him this week, and uh, one reason I like doing this uh, live stream with you is that you bring up some good points about players, and I kind of move my guys around a little bit. I had him at 42, but I think he probably deserves to be a low-end wide receiver three this week. And I'm just, I'm just so down on Desmond Ritter and this passing attack in general. Like the, the percentage of catchable targets for London and Pitts are just in the dumpster. The air yards are there, but they just don't have any real opportunity to catch. Significant targets because Ritter's accuracy is so bad. And you're just wondering if they ever are going to make a change and go over to Tyler Heineke, uh, who I don't think is the savior, but he could at least provide some catchable passes for these two uh, very talented players.
0: And cow Pitts and Chris Olave air yards, I can already tell, are going to be the thing everyone cites weekly. And they just do not matter based on their quarterbacks. They just will never be realized at all. Uh, Panthers at the Lions. Pretty easy game script considering the lions are 10 point favorites over a Bryce young offense that hasn't scored 17 over 17 points in his three starts. And what we're seeing is game scripts dictate how the lions use their running backs. And if that's the case, it is yet again paving the way for a David Montgomery RB one week. He's averaged 23 carries and his three appearances so far this year. And again, Given what the Lions are favored by, it just seems like it's a pound the rock kind of game.
1: Totally. And, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown, didn't practice again today. So I'm, you know, keeping an eye, keeping an eye on that. That might affect their run pass splits as well. Um, and I'm curious to your thought, I, I picked the Lions in our uh, Super Bowl ticket uh, survivor pool. And I'm wondering with St. Brown out, if that's a little bit dicey, because Carolina might be able to pull the upset. But this running game uh for the lions is so strong cal uh, carolina's 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back so you know you could start gibbs i've got him ranked now as a high-end running back three sadly low-end art running back two i've got david montgomery at nine i think he's a rock solid play in this one i'm likely to see 18 plus carries in a game that the lions should win and and control uh for most of the game so uh, this will be a you know another Montgomery possible multi multi touchdown game for him.
0: This Lions defense also currently seventh in pressure rate created, so another streaming option. But really, we're trying to figure out if Jameer Gibbs can get here as everyone tries to start him after his 11 touches. Obviously frustrated by his usage, although again. The Lions don't have to use him right now because they're winning games the way they win games. So where do you have, if I just blanked out and missed it, I apologize, but where do you have Jameer Gibbs ranked?
1: I have him at 27, just ranked as a high-end RB3, low-end RB2, and he's sort of right around these Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Miles Sanders, Khalil Herbert, Jonathan Taylor is in the same range right now. Guys that I'm not so sure about this, about their workload, Sanders has this bad matchup against Detroit, uh, which we're going to talk about in a second, but... You know, you just don't know what you're going to get out of these guys. Uh, But I think given the matchup, Gibbs is interesting. If he can get this 10 to 15 touches, he could do something with that. Uh, So, you know, how much do they overload Montgomery? Or do they start to even out these touches a little bit in a game, uh, in a game script that maybe favors the Lions?
0: And for Jamison Williams, I'm sure everyone wants to know where you have him ranked. I am skeptical in the short term of how they'll use him given that they have even mentioned they want to bring him along slowly. They tried to bring him along slowly last year and ended up doing that before just shutting him down altogether. Uh, I would not start him this week personally, given that we also don't think the game script is favorable favorable for him. But where do you have him ranked? I would only
1: think about uh, starting him if Amon Ra were to sit or is going to be severely limited. I think if he plays or just get the usual St. Brown, Reynolds, Raymond with, Maybe Williams coming in and, and taking some of Marvin Jones, uh, who hasn't played very well, taking some of his routes and kind of ramping him up. I don't think they want to overload him at all at the start of this, uh, start of him coming in after the suspension. So, uh, you know, I would not want to start him. I, I have him on a, a deeper bench, just stash him right now to see, you know, how quickly he can get integrated in the offense and if he can leapfrog somebody like J- Josh Reynolds, who's played pretty well, except for that one goose egg, I think, in week three.
0: Josh Reynolds over 17 PPR points except for his groin injury game right where he didn't have a single catch. So still high, in my opinion, if you're looking for a flex option. And Josh Reynolds, especially if St. Brown, is out. On the other side of the ball, it's pretty simple from Bryce Young. Adam Thielen can get there just because of his high floor, but no one else can get there in the passing game. I'm sure what everyone wants to know is how you are parsing through Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard because, as I mentioned in the waiver column and the waiver show, it was just odd. And odd enough that I attribute Hubbard's increase in usage. Hubbard has been better than Miles Sanders, actually. But I just attribute his increase in usage to Sanders having that groin injury. Since until week three, Sanders' share of the team's backfield touches increased in every game, all the way up to 83% in week three. And then we fast forward to week four when he's dealing with that injury. And then him and Hubbard were 50-50 in touches.
1: Yeah, I, I wrote in my uh, thinking inside the box for week four that they should have just given Sanders the week off so he could have started Hubbard in a in a good spot, at least for him. He had uh, 53 total yards on 16 touches, 16 touches for Miles Sanders as well, just 32 total yards for him. Um, this is a bad matchup per AFPA. The, the Lions are number one in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. Some of that might be due to Aaron Jones' sort of being ramped up last week, a uh, very limited role for the Packers, but this is a good rush defense. This is a generally a pretty good defense uh, as well. So I'm not like looking to run out Sanders out there. I'm trying to keep an eye on his um, practice report and see if that groin is any better. Uh, if he's limited and questionable, then I, you know, I'd rather start somebody else in that same range.
0: For the Ravens at the Steelers, one of the lowest totals of the week and not shocking at all. It's easy to know where the Ravens go with the ball against this miserable Steelers secondary. The sixth highest rate of 15-yard pass is allowed against them to date because the last two games since Mark Andrews returned, 14 targets for Zay Flowers, 10 targets for Mark Andrews. The Steelers allowing a league high in receiving yards per game to opposing slot receivers. So we think all these concentrated targets, scheme targets for Zay flowers are going to get him there as a low end wide receiver 2 high end wide receiver three with a ceiling quietly for week five. But what else are you doing with the Ravens offense in your rankings?
1: Yeah. Steelers are one of those. I don't know. They're paper tigers. I don't know. There's a, I saw somebody write that they had a good defense. I think they're just thinking about a few years ago. Uh, they're, they're, uh, 31st in adjusted wide, uh, fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Um, They are 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So this is a a game where the Ravens can attack them on the ground or through the air. Uh, They're decent against Mark Andrews, the tight end position, 16th. But I think this will be one where you could start all your, all your Ravens, especially, you know, knowing that it's going to be flowers and it's going to be Andrews in the passing game. And it's probably going to be Gus Edwards, uh, you know, and, Lamar Jackson uh, in the running
0: game. Baltimore still targeting their backfield at a below average rate. So we don't think any of their running backs have a ceiling, but we still at least think if one emerges, they can get there as the player you plug in during bye weeks. My only concern is that it seems like Keaton Mitchell is going to be active this week. And as a smaller back, unlike Devon Achan, who is being used properly and just won't go away because they're being they're scheming him as if they won't injure him. He's intelligibly used. I don't know how Keaton Mitchell will be used. All we know is that Keaton Mitchell has a 99th percentile straight line speed, 43740 at the combine. So at least interested in deeper leagues to add him in here just in case he is the player that eventually breaks out. On the other side of the ball, for the Steelers, how are you handling this backfield given that even with Najee Harris, as we talked about last week, getting the touches, it just hasn't seemed to matter to date.
1: Yeah, we uh locked horns on Twitter regarding Najee Harris and and uh Alexander Madison on Sunday. Uh, Harris 14 carries for 71 yards, uh, one reception for 32 yards, decent game for him. Jalen Warren eight for 29 and six catches uh, for 26 yards. So they basically scored the same PPR points. This is a timeshare. They're, of snaps for each player. Uh, Pretty good matchup, though, against the Ravens. I mean, you you wouldn't think that, but they are 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. That's probably more in the uh, mediocre range, I think, for AFPA, so not something I would count on. Uh, He's just a volume guy. You hope that he gets his 15 uh, 17 touches can maybe score a touchdown, but he's going to grind out four yards a carry or try to, uh, Warren, you know, maybe a little more interesting as a pass catcher in a PPR format. given that this is probably going to be a Ravens lead for most of the game. And they're going to have to throw the ball a lot more than they'd like to.
0: In that case, where do you have George Pickens ranked? Because if it is, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky, we're just obviously seeing like a Garrett Wilson. Pickens has to have the explosive touchdown. Otherwise, he checks in as a wide receiver four or five every week.
1: Yeah, I've got him at 23. Uh, Baltimore 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to uh, wide receivers. Um, matchup is not great uh, with Ronald Darby, but he does move from side to side. The slot matchup's pretty bad for Allen Robinson. Kelvin Austin could make some noise. It's just a, the, the Steelers... Situation right now offensively is pretty rough. They don't. They're not going to have Pat Fryer move likely uh, with a tight uh, with a hamstring injury. So it's really down to uh, Pickens, Austin, and and Robinson, I guess. But you know the only two that I would start with any sort of uh, faith, I guess, is Pickens and Austin.
0: Moving on to the Patriots and the Saints, the absolute heart of darkness game where I just don't want to watch or see anyone play football. But it's a talking point that. Derek Carr, who was both Derek Carr and injured, did hammer Alvin Kamara in his first game for 36.8% of the team's targets. All behind the line of scrimmage. Kamara, 13 catches. And more importantly, that was the first game all year that Kamara appeared in that Chris Olave coincidentally also dropped below a 30% target share with just a 15.7% share. Do you foresee this being an issue moving forward or do we think that Carr was just simply dealing with that shoulder injury and may still be dealing with this week, honestly.
1: He's uh, he's averaging 6.2 yards per attempt, which is well below his career, 7.1. He's got a better receiving core. Or, you know, Last year he had Devontae Adams, so I guess that's not really fair, but he's got a pretty good receiving core with Chris Olave, uh, Michael Thomas. Now he's got Alvin Kamara in there. Uh, Rashid Shahid's pretty good. They've got a group of tight ends, so he should be doing better than he is. Uh, but maybe this the shoulder injury is a little worse than we're letting on. But he is he's out there starting and he's you know running around, but he had 127 yards passing last week. Uh, you know, they scored nine points. So pretty ugly. And then also you're you you're adding in a decent defense with the Patriots. Uh, so this is not a great game to target if you're if you're looking for fantasy points.
0: Also frustrating on the other side of the ball for the Patriots because The Ezekiel Elliott, Ramondre Stevenson timeshare is a real thing. And Stevenson, his calling card, we thought he would get there based solely on the receiving opportunity. But he's only run around on 50% of dropbacks. They aren't even using him in the passing game either. So it's just a struggle to stick him out there because at this point, he's barely an RB2. Where do you have him ranked in this game for week five?
1: Yeah, that was another uh, report, failed report, I guess, that Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, buddy, there were a lot of them.
0: Don't get me started again.
1: They were gonna give him starter level touches uh, last week, and you end up with Stevenson with 16 touches for 40 yards. It was a really bad matchup against the Cowboys defense that played very well against the um, against the Eagles or against the uh, Patriots. But I think this. Week probably is looking up a little bit for for Stevenson to better matchup against the Saints. I think you know he could get there, but he's instead of being ranked as a low end RB one, high end RB two, like he was last year, he's more in the RB two, RB three rankings depending on matchup.
0: A fun game, the Giants at the Dolphins. The home team, Miami, of course, being half point favorites over this Giants offense. So let's start there because I don't know if. Devon Achan can keep it up, 10.3 yards per touch, has scored a touchdown on every six touches. For reference, last offseason, when we faded Debo Samuel coming into the year for touchdown regression, he was averaging a touchdown on every 11 touches. So Achan is doing that like at double the pace. And Debo, of course, finished as the wide receiver 25 in points per game. He did regress. But at the same time, again, the way they're scheming him touches, even out-touching Raheem Mostert 10-2 to inside the 5-yard line the last two weeks, it does seem like he can keep getting there. And the amount of touches he receives doesn't matter because the offense he plays in, the way he's given that opportunity, and just how explosive he is as little Chris Johnson, uh, it just all makes sense that even on 12 touches per game, he's an RB1. Like, it does not matter if someone else is getting 20 touches behind him. So your thoughts on Mostert and A-Chan in this game?
1: I think you kind of summed it up. It, he's going to regress at some point, but he's scoring so many fantasy points that he could still regress and is worthy of being ranked as an RB1. Like, he could still get there. Uh, I've got him at RB11 this week. Giants are 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. It does seem like he might be taking over this backfield, which is a scary proposition if he starts to consistently see more touches than Raheem Mostert. Uh, you know, a lot of confidence here in Mike McDaniel scheming uh, rushing yards and touches for him. Uh, so I think you just lock him in your lineup. Uh, he might have a bad game, but it's not like he's only seeing a handful of touches and might just go, you know, three carries for seven yards and not touch the ball again. He's getting lead back touches or at least lead committee touches. And, you know, against the Giants who are not great against the run, uh, I think he's a really solid start this week, especially uh, with, you know, four teams on bye.
0: are apparently banged up as well. And we haven't heard much about it because, again, reporting has been so disappointing this year. But Jeff Wilson may return in Week Five. Let's say Wilson will return. Mostert's active. Where are you having Mostert ranked?
1: Do you well, think right Jeff now, Wilson
0: have, like cannibalizes both of these players?
1: I don't know if he'll cannibalize a HN because uh, it just seems like he's a special part of this offense that they want to feature right now, and they're having so much success. I mean, at fifty points and week three, 27 points, fantasy points, and last week against the Bills. So uh, I just think he's like the guy that's maybe a little bit untouchable. They're not going to overload him with 20, 30 touches or something like that, but they're going to give him his role. And then I think if if Wilson were to come back and Raheem Mostert is running like he did against the Bills last week, which was not very good. He was great against the Broncos, but everybody's great against the Broncos. Uh, If he's running like he did against the Bills, who were pretty bad against the run, uh, then you start to see Wilson getting some chances at most of its expense, I think would be the most likely outcome there.
0: Jalen Waddle did have a touchdown call back for a legal man downfield. So I don't think that's considered cheating. Unlike when people cite touchdowns called back and it's holding, it's like, yeah, they scored the touchdown because they cheated. So we can't count that as something that's going to regress. Uh, a legal man downfield. Okay, I'll let you get away with that one. Having said that, I'm still a little bit worried long-term because what we're seeing is last year and Tua's, when Tua was on the field, a 25% target share. For Waddle, this year, he's been over 20% one time. Uh, three games, injured one. Hasn't been over 21% in any of his contests. The targets are more dispersed because they're using Mostert and A-Chan in the passing game. And it doesn't take away from Tyreek, who's the king. It takes away from Jalen Waddle. So Waddle, you're basically just hinging on efficiency every single week.
1: Moving on to and the Giants. T- I was just going to say, talent-wise, we love Jalen Waddle and... Yes he's not a guy as easy to bench and so you really have to be loaded at the receiver position to bench him especially against uh the Giants who are pretty you know shaky on the outside uh, secondary
0: moving on to the Giants one of only two offenses the other being the Bengals who haven't scored a touchdown in the first half yet this year no Andrew Thomas and so it's certainly not helping the case for Daniel Jones I don't even put it all on him Darren Waller weeks 2 and 3 I was not panicking about just given his Up and down play. He was the wide receiver. He was the tight end four in week two, despite everyone complaining about his usage and leading the team in targets in that span. But last week, of course, just drowned out for double digit sacks. No one gets there. Wandell Robinson has popped up for 11 targets the past two games, but he has a three and a half yard depth of target. It's literally just run, catch the ball, and fall down. It doesn't even get you there unless you want it for a high floor for flex PPR leagues. Also, Paulson, in the first half before it became a blowout, it wasn't even Wandale and Jalen Hyatt being used who lead their, who led their wide receivers and routes run. Darius Slayton ran a route on every single drop back, 100% in the first half, uh, and he didn't even matter for the game. So I guess that's a long way of asking, what are you doing with the Giants' offense and receivers?
1: I mean, the only thing you can look at with this game is that the the Dolphins are very likely to put the Giants into garbage time early in this one and have a sort of a loose... don't, You know, they, you know the, the Dolphins don't have the best defense either so you know maybe jones can get there as a garbage time hero this week and that he can carry uh waller along with him i don't i I don't have any confidence in any of the receivers at this point uh you know slayton maybe just because he's out on the field the most or we would think he'd be out on the field the most based on previous games um you know barkley i think if he's back uh is startable. He should see some dump offs and Miami's 26th adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So I think he's certainly startable. But in terms of the passing game, uh, it's tough. You'd have to just expect uh, them to get there via volume and maybe Daniel Jones gets there with with rushing yards.
0: You start Waller because of what the Dolphins have allowed in the passing game to tight ends to date, um, including, you know, Kincaid and Dawson Knox who again weren't anything special but at least we saw those four catches and six targets for Kincaid um but that's the reason why also because it's hard to find any other tight end to start so just keep on starting your guys it doesn't matter Eagles at the Rams a very fun game because let's start with the Rams side of the ball we've now seen that the Eagles pass rush although Jalen Carter is defensive rookie of the year so far it just hasn't mattered. Hasn't gotten to the statues they've played. Mac Jones was the QB2 in week one. Kirk Cousins, the QB2 in week two. And Sam Howe, QB12. So a top 12 finish last week through overtime. And those three guys alone averaged 323 yards through the air. Baker Mayfield, for some reason, the Bucks decided to run the ball heavily. Baker Mayfield was under duress. We had a couple drops from Mike Evans as well. Didn't get there. The point is... Everyone else got there against this terrible Eagles secondary that is a true pass funnel, and now we have Matthew Stafford with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup perhaps returning. I think we'll get more information on that, more solid info on Friday. But let's start with Stafford and the passing offense. How do you rank Nakua, and where are you going to rank him if Cooper Cup comes back?
1: Uh, right now, I have Nakua at eight. Uh, I think if Cup comes back, because then you have you know Tutu Atwell at twenty-eight. So if every if Cup comes back. You know, everybody gets knocked down a spot. Uh, Nakua, I think, still is worthy, especially in Cooper Cup's first game back, is still worthy of, you know, solid wide receiver two-type treatment. Um, cup has been amazing whenever he's been healthy. Uh, if they do roll him out there, I think the interesting thing is with that quarterback, in the quarterback rankings is Stafford. Right now I have him at 18. Um, but the guys he's below are do not inspire a ton of confidence. Uh, Joe Burrow playing terrible but has a great matchup against uh, the Cardinals. CJ Stroud uh, playing amazing has this kind of a so-so matchup against the Falcons, which we discussed earlier, Brock Purdy playing very efficient, but has a bad matchup against Dallas at home. And then Daniel Jones, who is just hoping for garbage time points, I guess, against the, the, the dolphins. And I think if you're looking at Stafford and this pass funnel, Sean McVay's smart. He's not going to run the ball down the throat uh, of this Eagles defense when, you know, yards and fantasy points are available in the passing game. So maybe Stafford should be a few spots higher uh, in this one. And we also know that the Eagles are going to put up some points and maybe put the the Rams in a position where they might want to be more pass heavy than they, even they want to be in this game.
0: And you still start Kyron Williams just because if its touch share. He's, he's, he's inevitable until it changes. Uh, you don't even argue against it. Who cares if he's been efficient? You just play the guy who gets touches, especially given this landscape of running back. Sometimes you don't have to make it complicated at all for Cooper cup, though. I will say if he plays, I'm absolutely starting him without any question. I can't get off the back of my mind. The three, five times Sean McVay, this off season has said Cooper cup will not play unless he's hundred percent. They have reiterated that time and time again, if he's out there, I would imagine it's not limitations. He's helped, barring some kind of report that I may not believe, anyways. Given this year, I think he'll be out there at full strength. So I am absolutely starting Cooper Cup. And when we picked up Puka in Week One, we knew we, this is that was this was what was baked into the waiver wire. Um, it's even written in the column. Go back to Week One. Puka is leading the team in routes run from the boundary. Maybe Puka's floor, maybe Puka's ceiling, I should say, is not as high with Cooper Cup, but his floor is fine. You picked up a receiver, a wide receiver, two, wide receiver, three, to start weekly in an offense that's running the most plays per game. It is very simple. You keep starting Puka and you start Cooper Cup. Don't overthink it. We'll adjust next week. For the Eagles, Jalen Hurts is third in rushing points per game among all quarterbacks right now, although the actual yards aren't there. The fantasy points are coming from the tush push and nothing more. So, how do you think he fares through the air here if we're expecting this to be a explosive
1: game uh the rams are third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs and i wanted to see how that translated to just pure rushing raw rushing yards um and looking at the rams here having trouble finding them oh they're 19th and rushing yards allowed with 111 uh 4.4 per, per per game so deandre swift should have some success there um They've given up five rushing touchdowns on the year. The Rams have, so that's fairly high uh, league wide. So uh, I think Swift will be good again. Um, I think Jalen Hurts should be fine. Uh, the Rams are 13th in just the fantasy points allowed to to quarterbacks. Uh, AJ Brown, uh, not a great matchup, but he should be fine. Devonta Smith, him, he's got so much talent there. I, I think the big question mark with the the Eagles is will. Dallas Goddard ever get going. He's out on the field. He's running routes. They just haven't connected on many uh, targets. And he hasn't been targeted as much as he was last year. So he's becoming one of these worrisome middle round tight ends that we drafted because we thought he had a pretty high floor and just the, the efficiency hasn't been there for him.
0: It's just like the other tight ends we're dealing with. Whenever you are to the extreme, either close to the line of scrimmage or so far away, it's just really hard to get there. We're seeing that with Kyle Pitts, who only runs deep routes. We're seeing that with Goddard and Dalton Kincaid, who only are used like Wandale Robinson or Jackson Smith and Jigba. But they run them out there two yards. Goddard, to that point, is 31st in depth of target. He's not getting anything else, and he's being drowned out by AJ Brown, and Devonta Smith. So it's just really hard to get there. Having said that, you know, this is why I don't even argue with you against Tyler Higbee, for example, anymore. Because tied in, just throw him out there, man. Just find the right matchup and stick him. Like, I know some people debated dropping David Njoku, but like this week, that was Njoku's first game over seven PPR points because it was Dorian Thompson Robinson who just dumped it off to him, who wasn't ready to play professional football. Whereas with Deshaun Watson, he didn't reach five targets in any game and he didn't he only saw 11% of the team's targets. So, like, all these guys are expendable. Dalton Kincaid is expendable. Just find the right matchup, the high-scoring game, play the tight end in that total. Tyler Higby included. Just play yeah. it.
1: And I would just mention that Goddard has the best AFPA matchup in this offense. This might be the week where they get him going. And he has 7-7-4 seven, seven, and four in the last three uh, games, so that's roughly six targets per game. Uh, they're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, so this might be the one if not this week, maybe next week against the jets,
0: the Bengals at the Cardinals who I get it. The Bengals, I I guess should be favored, but the Cardinals, if you just look at the the context of their opponents are genuinely the significantly better team right now, um, to, to be top 10 in yards per play and have the 49ers and Cowboys, on their schedule and in the rear view mirror, like the Cardinals are a better team than the Bengals. Now the concern is unlike the Titans who blitz Joe Burrow on 33% of his dropbacks because he's clearly injured, not mobile, and can't throw the ball right now. The Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon do stick to their schemes. They do not blitz at all. So now maybe Burrow finds a little more time to be successful. Having said that, I still think all these players, given The way Burrow is, how he's injured, clearly, right now, I just wonder what their ceilings are in the passing game.
1: Uh, It's a good matchup. You alluded to it. 31st and just the fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks are the Cardinals. Uh, I've got Burrow at 14, but it feels a little dicey. uh, They have been attempting a lot of passes the last couple weeks, so that's good. Uh, The target tree is Jamar Chase, so I feel confident in him. And I do think that Tyler Boyd is worth a you know, flex-type start if Higgins is out. It does sound like Irv Smith might be back, which might affect Boyd a little bit, but I think with Higgins out of the way, Boyd probably has a 6-7 target floor, and he's been pretty good uh, when he's been the number two uh, option in the in the passing game. So um, I agree with you. It's really... It, it This Cincinnati offense feels like it's really... It's not just a hiccup. It's really mired in something bad right now, and it's really surprising to see them struggle this much offensively with such a good quarterback there and uh, so much talent at receiver and a pretty good offensive line.
0: And just like I said last week, I, I genuinely don't think you miss anything. If you don't start burrow until we see he's healthy. Like, so, okay. He has to go for 300 yards, three touchdowns for me to feel bad about it. Otherwise start Brock Purdy, start CJ Stroud, start Sam. Howe. like take your points at a onesie position, start Zach Wilson, because we're getting fantasy points. Again, Burrow has to actually bury you to miss out at that onesie position. He's not a flex. It's not three starting wide receivers. It's one quarterback. So I am not starting Burrow over these guys in significantly better matchups who I trust more until he's healthy, personally.
1: Yeah, we don't know how healthy he is. Uh, he's playing. Um, but uh, he's
0: Yes, he's breathing. You are correct. Yeah. He's out there.
1: I don't know if I would start Zach Wilson over him, though. That's I don't think I fair. Do it. That may have been hyperbole.
0: But uh, but the other guys I mentioned, 100%, I'm starting. Um, For the Cardinals, too, like Josh Dobbs warrants a serious con- like conversation. Like Josh Dobbs has a higher floor than Joe Burrow right now because he's averaging five rushing points per game. Not only that, but it's concentrated. Marquise Brown, 30% of the team's targets since week two. I know Michael Wilson just popped off for those two touchdowns and season-high target share. But Rondo Moore actually ran more routes than Michael Wilson. Just didn't get there in the box score. So I do wonder if in this kind of game, Michael Wilson falls back a little bit, even though I'm still very interested in him, long-term in redraft leagues. But for this week, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz gives you that high floor and leading every tight end and target share. And more importantly, I don't know if you heard, Paulson, it's James Conner week. Uh, people have tried to throw... Amari DeMarcado's routes on me saying, like, oh, is now part of the passing game. Maybe a little bit, but not concerning whatsoever. Even in the first half last week against the Niners, before it came a blowout, James Conner outtouched Demarcado, out carried him 10 to zero, and outtouched him 12 to 2. They had two targets each. I am not worried about the backup running back in Arizona, especially given that the Bengals have allowed the second highest rate of 10-yard runs, and they're one of only three defenses allowing five yards per carry. This is a James Conner nuclear spot.
1: Yeah, they're giving up 157 yards per game on the ground, so I would expect Conner to do quite well.
0: Thank you for adding that. Yeah, that that was concise. For the Jets at the Broncos, let's begin with the aggregate accounts lying to everyone. Because rather than doing the research, they took the headline and ran with it about Brees Hall. Because the quote was that we got from everyone just parsing news was, on Brees Hall, from Robert Sala, quote, from an opportunity standpoint, there is no pitch count with him anymore. Peel back the curtain, and let's talk about what Robert Sala actually said. Quote, on Dalvin Cook, remember, he didn't have OTAs, he didn't have training camp, but is he also starting to get his legs underneath him so he's training in the right direction? On Brees Hall, that first part, there is no pitch count with him anymore, but Sala continued, we want lo- we want want, we would love to get him going. But at the same time, we've got a lot of guys that we want to get the ball to. So knock on wood, we got some guys. We just got to find a way to distribute the ball in a way that is best for the team. Now, do I think Brees Hall gets more touches in this game and it's an amazing spot? Yes. The last two games, he's been over 50% of the team's backfield touches. So he is slowly getting more and more as Dalvin Cook is just getting worse. Uh, highest finish to date, RB 33 and PPR points per game. But is it an actual unleashing of Brees Hall? I would say absolutely not.
1: Yeah, I mean, are we going to get 20 plus touches? No, but if we can get 15, you know, 17. That's probably good enough. That's good enough against the the Broncos. The Broncos have given up 153 rushing yards to opposing backfields, 56 uh, 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 receiving yards to opposing backfields, 2.75 touchdowns per game to opposing running backs. That's why they're last in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. The only counterpoint i mean you're right to parse out what Salas said because he did go we have a lot of guys we want to get the ball to but then he went on he didn't say dalvin cook michael carter he said uh garrett wilson uh alan lazard so he wasn't talking about the other running backs he was just talking about maybe the passing game so that would be the one thing if I really wanted to tell myself a story about Brees Hall this week. That would be what I would tell myself that they're just not limiting him anymore. He does give them their best chance to win games and to gain rushing yards, uh, you know, on the grounds. And this is a great spot for him. So I think he is uh, an RB two, a low end RB two, just because we don't know uh, if he's going to ever approach or if he's going to approach anytime soon the you know sort of eighteen to twenty touch workload that we want out of our fantasy RB ones.
0: But. As we both said, we're still starting him this week, especially during the bye weeks, given the matchups. And like an A-Chan, he can absolutely get there on 10 to 12 touches, even if Salah is exaggerating a hair. Through the air, when you allow Justin Fields to throw for his first 300-yard career game, you want attention to stream against you. And that includes Zach Wilson. So where do you have Zach Wilson and their passing game, the receivers, ranked for week five?
1: Well, I know I know Wilson had a good game last week. Uh, he is ranked higher than he normally would be, but I still have him at twenty-two. He's outside the top twenty uh, at the position. He could certainly deliver better than that. I just have don't have a whole lot of confidence in him. Generally speaking, uh, the Broncos are thirty-second, last in the league again, both against running backs and quarterbacks, which is you'd hardly ever see that. the The defense is down so bad. Uh, and the offense is pretty good. The offense should score against the Jets and making the Jets, you know, trying to score points as well, maybe trying to keep up. Uh, so this is a pretty good spot for Wilson if you're in dire need, uh, perhaps in a streaming context or superflex. Uh, super flex.
0: And you can go back and listen to Jaleel McLaughlin on the waiver Wire show, but I just want to emphasize that McLaughlin was not used solely because Javante Williams was out. He had two touches on the first drive with Javante Williams healthy, and he turned that into a six-yard run and his 18-yard receiving touchdown because he's been far and away the most explosive back in that backfield to date. Also, he's Sean Payton's favorite. He's his little pet project who he found, and now he's also offering explosiveness. So if Javante Williams is out, McLaughlin, where will you have him ranked?
1: I have him at, uh, right now I'm assuming Javante Williams is out. I spent a lot on Fab, uh, a couple of desperate spots uh, on my fantasy teams uh, to grab him. Just some very uninteresting players on the waiver wire. Certainly in Scott Fishbowl, there's just nothing on the waiver wire. So I was like, screw it. Let's, let's go. Uh, I hope that uh, he gets some starts here in the short term. Uh, but he, you know, he out uh, uh, P Ryan, uh 49-29 on the season. Uh, p ryan will play some because he's a pretty solid pass blocker but mclaughlin is certainly more explosive than p ryan and if they're without javante williams you could you could really see him taking over most or all of javante williams uh workload so to answer your question i have him at 22 this week uh against the jets the jets are a good defense in general but they're 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back so so, so sort of mediocre against the running back uh position they're they're better against the pass and uh you know this this Broncos offense has been pretty productive the entire season. Yeah. And they're going to have to uh, score in order to account for the defense. I mean, part of this reason that they're doing well offensively, I think, is that they're having to score because the defense is terrible uh, and they're they're falling behind quite a bit. So, uh, you know, I think uh, McLaughlin can help both as a runner and as a pass catcher uh, for uh, Russell Wilson.
0: By the way, I because I saw some comments about how I pronounce his name. And I had heard, I looked it up, someone in a college tape had used McLaughlin. But maybe it is McLaughlin. I will do the research and get better and get back to you with the correct pronunciation when he breaks out against the Jets in place of Williams this week. For their passing game, how are you ranking the Broncos wide receivers? Because like a lot of people, it's just frustrating. Marvin Mims has only run 39 routes and leads the team in receiving yards. But it hasn't changed to date. Even last week, a route on 38% of dropbacks. They still do not want to use him. And they signed Traquan Smith just this past game. So who knows what happens with Mims next. But what are you doing with Judy and Sutton for everyone struggling with those decisions?
1: Well, this is another fantasy analyst grumble about the Marvin Mims is going to see a bigger uh, role heading into last week. Uh, I think it's coming. We just don't know when. He's been so much better than uh, the guys ahead of him, uh, generally speaking. I have Sutton at 30. It's a bad matchup, though. The Jets are third and a Fancy points a lot to wide receivers. I have Sutton at 32. I have Mims at 46. You just you can't count on him in the limited usage that he has, so that's the concern there. But you definitely want to roster him, and he is a dart throw in some of these start-sit decisions uh, during the bye weeks where you have got you know three bad options and you're like okay who could who could maybe go for 70 in a touchdown he's certainly an upside uh play and maybe this is the week where they start to ramp up his workload a little, little bit uh, i think wilson's solid he's been you know top 10 top 8 fantasy quarterback all year uh it's not a great matchup against the jets but this is one where you know i'm starting him over like a, a joe burrow um due to overall health and, and how the, the Denver operate uh, uh, offense has been operating for most of the, the season so far.
0: It doesn't help when the Broncos also target 11 different guys like they did last week. We need more of a concentrated target tree. That's all, also makes it so frustrating for Judy and Sutton week to week. But do I go back to Judy in what I think is a great spot for, not a great spot, but a good spot for him for bye weeks? Sure, because we're attacking the Jets from the slot anyhow. For the Chiefs and the Vikings, another fun game because we know how they are going to play defense against Mahomes. Mahomes was only blitzed on 28% of his dropbacks last year, 33rd among all quarterbacks with 100 dropbacks at least, but still led the league with 17 touchdowns against the Blitz. Everyone knows better. And this year even, he's only been blitzed on 15% of his dropbacks, the lowest rate among the starters. But here comes Brian Flores, who does not care how you have performed in the NFL. Because through four games, the Vikings have blitzed at a top two rate in every single week. has not mattered whether they played Bryce Young or Justin Herbert. They don't respect any quarterback at any equal range. So we think Mahomes is going to dice the Vikings quite easily. The issue, though, Paulson, is among their receivers, who the hell is he throwing to? Because these guys are all still rotating. Even Marcus valdes and Justin Watson, who are running the most routes for them, aren't running 80% of routes on dropbacks. They're literally mixing everyone. Sky Moore now has two games where he's been out there, but he's gotten carries and hasn't earned a single target. It's been bad. So what are you doing among these players?
1: And perhaps you can add some context to this, but uh, Rashi Rice, is, his role seems to be growing a bit, and he seems to be uh, maybe emerging as the most trustworthy of the receivers outside of Travis Kelsey, of course, but he's still fourth in routes run. He he was close to Skymore last week, 19 to 17. Uh, Justin Watson weren't that far ahead of him with 25 uh, routes run uh, each. So I think you're, you're seeing Rice not take over this, you know, receiving core or receiver room, but he seems to be the one that's trending up the most to a point where I'm ranking in the highest of these uh, receivers, and I think in this spot against uh, the Vikings uh, in the dome, 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. We know it's going to be a very high scoring game. Uh, he could be the one that has the the good game out of this group. Uh, I would say most likely is the one to have the a good game out of this group because it's really a six seven man committee that they're they're rolling out. But he's the one that seems to be trending up the most.
0: And. When you speak about parsing through the splits two weeks ago against the Bears in a blowout, I don't even I didn't even take it down to Mahomes in the third quarter because it was a blowout by then. I don't care. In the first quarter alone, Rasheed Rice ran as many routes as Sky He's been out there. And then last week, just two fewer routes than Sky Moore. And still it's Rice who leads more with a 13.5% target share compared to more's 10 percent and more who leads all the Chiefs receivers in fantasy points. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has only been targeted on 8% of his routes. He could be out there, but he doesn't matter at all. So that's the way I'm viewing it. I don't know if Rice sees enough time, honestly, since his role is still growing to like be this breakout player everyone calls him an SEO. But it, does he have the, the highest floor among all of them? Yes. So to me, it's Rice and Travis Kelsey. That's about it for the passing game. And the running game, though... Isaiah Pacheco is getting there. A career high, not season, a career high. 77% of the Chiefs' backfield touches last week. Yes, Clyde edwards Hilaire was injured, but that was a neutral game script against the Jets who competed the entire way. That makes me so much more encouraged in him as an RB2 moving forward, including this week.
1: Yeah, 23 touches. 115 yards uh, rushing, 43 yards receiving. He's catching the most passes out of this backfield, which I think heading into the season, we were we saw last year, late last year, they were getting him in more involved as a receiver, but they still had Jarek McKinnon. They re-signed Jarek McKinnon, so we weren't sure uh, if he'd be catching passes, uh, but he's playing 60% of the snaps. I think he's like a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 this week uh, in this matchup against the, the Vikings.
0: On the other side of the ball, it's fun because so far, as they did last year, the Vikings punch up or punch down to their competition. That's the way they play. Over 25 fantasy points for Kirk Cousins to both the Eagles and the Chargers, and then to the Bucks and the Panthers, who also had poor secondaries, 16 and a half points in Week 1, less than 10 points last week against the Panthers. So we think, given all the volume, Kirk Cousins will once again explode in this game. Everyone, though, is trying to sift through Jordan Addison and KG Osborne the latter who continues, including last week, running more routes than Addison. So we're really just banking on Addison's long touchdown to get us there because the volume has not been there. How do you have those two ranked for this week?
1: Yeah, he's a Addison's kind of slid down the rankings over the last few weeks just due to uh, lack of production. I've got him as a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four due to upside in this game. Uh, we know that Kirk Cousins is going to attempt a lot of passes Chiefs likely to jump out to a lead as well, they, but I mean, Vikings are going to throw it regardless of what the game score is. They, they've been very pass heavy regardless. Um, you know, I think Osborne's an okay dart throw as well. I just believe in the talent of Addison and, you know, he does, he did get there early in the, uh, in the season with touchdowns, uh, He's going to have some ups and downs just because of the volume, and he's not taking over that wide receiver two job as quickly as you know just, Justin Jefferson did when he was a rookie. Uh, obviously, a smash spot for for Jefferson. Uh, you know, he's going to be covered by Snead, but that's nothing to worry about.
0: And finally, how are you projecting this backfield and Cam Akers' second game? Because what we saw last week was both acres and Madison get there in a good spot, over five and a half yards per carry apiece, but a season low in snaps for Madison and a season low in his share of backfield touches for Madison. Again, in Cam Baker's first healthy game. So I do wonder if they start cannibalizing even more, which makes both of them practically useless at that point, because we can't get there if it becomes a two-headed backfield.
1: You know, he's run, uh, Madison has run better since the trade. So I did notice that. Tip Tampa Bay, 3.1 yards per carry, 3.5 yards per carry against Philly. Um, you know, getting eight and uh, 11 carries uh, in the first two weeks last week with acres uh on the team but inactive uh 20 carries 93 yards uh five catches for madison a pretty good game for him went over 90 again uh, against carolina which was a great matchup Uh, 30th and just a fancy points allowed to running back so this is a tougher spot due to uh the chiefs just offense and the fact that they're likely going to jump out to a lead uh could easily see the Vikings abandon the run. And then who's out there uh, on passing downs. I mean, Madison had six and seven targets in week two and week three. He only had one target last week against Carolina. They didn't really need to throw a whole lot uh, to him in that one. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that his snap share was the lowest or his touch share was the lowest, given that they're trying to work Akers in as the backup, because I think they feel a lot better uh, about him. Um, than they did uh, about uh, the other guy that they had there uh, as the RB2, Tyler uh, Chandler. I'm blanking on his name. He's been usurped. Yeah, he's been uh, uh, usurped by, uh, by Akers for sure. So I think they're just trying to have a little bit more of a committee with, with Madison right now as the lead back.
0: For the Cowboys at the 49ers, whenever Vegas pushes a line off the field goal towards three and a half, that shows me they have a little more confidence in the other team because they're willing to give you that hook and or willing for you to lay that hook. And in this case, I think it's because the Cowboys' defense, although they could be amazing, they also have only played Matt Jones, Josh Dobbs, Zach Wilson, and Daniel Jones to date. They have not played anyone yet. And, of course, the one game against Josh Dobbs, the Cardinals run them over and beat them by 12 points. So... I have the utmost confidence in the 49ers offense compared to a lot of people in this game, and it's concentrated. We know where the ball's going. Even Debo Samuel, clearly injured last week, still led the team in routes run. He was out there. He just didn't have a single catch or carry because, again, he was injured. I'm going back to him and starting him in this game. It, where it gets concerning and confusing is on the other side of the ball for the Cowboys. Because again, we haven't seen really a normal game script for them at all. And now we're seeing Brandon Cooks, his targets not matter whatsoever. Uh, Michael Gallup earning targets and CeeDee Lamb struggling on his targets. So what are you doing with these options besides Jake Ferguson, who should be started every single week?
1: Yeah, Ferguson was a, a good hit for 4 for 4 and the 4 for 4 family uh, stepping right into that Dalton Schultz role. I think he's... Leading the league or tied uh, with red zone targets, uh, maybe with Devonte Adams. I saw a tweet. He's up there. Uh, so he's getting the usage that you want and one of the more solid starts at the position. Um, Lamb, I'm still starting. I mean, the, the 49ers 23rd are 23rd adjust the fantasy points allowed to receivers, but he's the only one that I have any confidence in. Um, I've got Gallup down at wide receiver 54 and Cook's uh, lower than that. So I'm not trying to start either one of those guys. I think it's Lamb ferguson and pollard in this offense and pretty pretty concentrated even though lamb uh, hasn't been that productive uh, in the short term so uh, i still believe in his talent and the way to probably attack this off uh this 49ers defense is through the air you know pollard they're 15th uh, the 49ers are 15th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back so it's a mediocre matchup the 23rd uh adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers so a little bit better matchup i think for lamb than for pollard
0: Cooks hasn't seen 20% of the team's targets in any game. He was injured one game, but I wanted to give it one more week before putting him on the drop list, but we're very, very close to him just not being serviceable whatsoever and just moving on altogether. And although the 49ers are stout against the run, we obviously continue starting Tony Pollard every week, especially because Deuce Vaughn and Hunter Lipke, their fullback who they or now just getting involved for the hell of it, at blowouts were not b- involved last week until the Cowboys had already run over their opponent. Moving on to the final game in Monday Night Football, your Packers at the Raiders. I do know you have Josh Jacobs ranked highly in this one.
1: I do, and I'm actually going to be at this game. Uh, the Packers' rush defense is not good. Uh, they're 27th to just a fancy points allowed to running backs. Jacobs has gotten the running game going a little bit. The last couple weeks very ineffective early on but getting it going and this is a you know kind of a get right spot for him i'm you know fairly sure he's gonna have 100 total yards and probably score a touchdown just knowing that the packers brush defense like i do um i think uh from a passing standpoint it's good that jimmy garoppolo is likely back it's gonna do it's bode well for for Devonte adams it looks like jair alexander Uh, may play uh, and shadow Adams in this one, which will be a great matchup to watch, but Adams is better uh, than just about any corner that he faces. So I think he will have a a solid top five
0: type week. For the Packers, it's just confusing because we still don't know anything after again, incorrect reports, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson, both highly limited. Watson gets there on a single touchdown. Uh, Aaron Jones does not get there because he only plays the first half. But now this target tree, we're still learning about. Even the last two games with Romeo Dobbs getting 25 targets, Jaden Reed only has 50 fewer receiving yards on 13 fewer targets. Like Jaden Reed is still getting there as a deep threat. Luke Musgrave is still working again. His route participation increased in every game until he got injured. He's already been cleared from the concussion protocol. So we will be playing presumably on Monday night. And then we expect Christian Watson to be involved as a full-time player this week. So what the hell are we doing? with these receivers.
1: Uh, good point on the Musgraves earlier today. I was like, Oh, should I put Musgrave in? I saw that he was practicing, had not cleared concussion protocol, but as of an hour ago, you were, correct. I was
0: skeptical uh, because I, I believe he is now the first player this year to clear the concussion protocol. And a week. actually, and yeah, and we assume he's coming back. Remember Garoppolo was practicing and he still got ruled out. So uh, we don't know for sure Musgrave's going to play, but to clear it on Thursday, which is basically a Wednesday for a Monday night game, uh, I think that bodes well, at least.
1: Yeah, and I think is still in the concussion protocol as of Saturday of last week and didn't play. So it's just so rare for a player to get concussed in one week and then play the following week. I usually just rule them out. Uh, but it looks like Musgrave will play in this one. So to answer your question, I think, and I said it on the pod last week, I think, is that... the. The Packers are so careful and conservative with their injuries that if they're going to roll uh, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson out, they probably won't be limited. And we saw the opposite of that. So I was very wrong about it. But I think what the caveat is, is that maybe they're fully healthy, but they don't want to overload them in the, the first week back. So I'm expecting full workloads now uh, for a two and two team for you know Watson, uh, Aaron Jones, maybe not. What they would play, you know, to start Week One if they're fully healthy. Week One, uh, playing eighty-nine percent of the snaps. I mean, Jones never gets there anyway due to AJ Dillon. Uh, but you're expecting more routes run for for Watson. Uh, you're expecting more, a lot more touches for Aaron Jones, who only had, I think, six touches last week. Uh, the Raiders are twenty-fourth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're only fourth in adjusted. I'm sorry, fifth adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. I think Jordan Love in the passing game will have a pretty good game. But in terms of target tree, if Watson is active and Musgrave is active and Jones is active, it's really dicey in terms of who can you trust. Dobbs has been the guy that has seen the most targets consistently. I agree uh, with you that Jaden Reed's pretty good and is pretty productive relative to his targets, but he is – going to be the third option uh, in the receiver room behind Watson and Dobbs in the short term, just the nature of his uh, slot role. Uh, So throwing in Musgrave, I think Musgrave is startable. I think Reed is startable in a dart throw capacity, but I think Dobbs and Watson are wide receiver three types that you're hoping, uh, specifically with Watson, you're hoping that he runs enough routes. uh, And if he does, he probably will deliver for you because he's you know, he can take it to the house on any given touch. And then Dobbs has been the guy who's playing the high route or high uh, routes around high snap share guy who saw a ton of targets last week with, with Watson and uh, 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 Reed out there healthy.
0: And Devontae Adams has not practiced as of Thursday. Again, Thursday is basically Wednesday for a Monday night game. So no concern just yet. But also we've seen with Adams off the field, it doesn't matter. The ball still only goes considering that he and Jacoby Myers have soaked up over 70% of the team's targets. The ball only goes to Myers. Hunter Renfro will be out there, but you can't start him. You can't play him, even with the bye week So, simple solution there. With that, Paulson, what else do you have for everyone coming out before you jet off and leave us waiting? <sighs>
1: what, what a week this will be. Just be patient with my uh, rank- right. rankings and everything. The Sneaky Starts are up on the site. Uh, I'll be doing a ranking sweep uh, Saturday morning uh, is the plan, and uh be up early. You know when I, when I plan on this trip, I didn't think about the London game uh, on Sunday, so I'm just hoping there are no questionable players for the Bills and the Jaguars uh, on Sunday that I have to deal with on Sunday morning. but I'll be up at six probably watching the Liverpool game and, and grinding rankings for everyone.
0: And then of course, our DFS content, which we're on a roll. we've We've hit our stride with Corine myself, TG Hernandez this year. the DFS slack is popping as well. We'll be back 6 p.m Eastern on Friday for the show. And then the articles up at the site that, again, you can get access to using the promo code YouTube to go already with what is a discount on the site. Until then, you know the rules. Be a little bit kind to what you See you next time.